What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week of the drop-in. Uh, I apologize. The last three weeks, uh, I haven't been in the studio live. You guys got to see some rad encore performances of past shows. We had Thanksgiving. I hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving. And the two weeks uh, bookending Thanksgiving, I had to get some shots in my hips. My hips have been a mess. I was told 10 years ago, you're going to need new hips. I'm not giving them to you yet. Now we're 10 years ahead of that, and he said, well, uh, looks like you need new hips. And I said, not yet. So what do we do to alleviate this? So I got a shot in this hip one week. Two weeks later, got a shot in this hip. My friends say I am skating like a teenager. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to spend the next year, the next year, devoted to a gentleman named Dr. Joe Dispenza. I've been a fan of Joe's for probably about five, six years now. His philosophy helped me heal from a broken leg months in advance, and so for the next 12 months, I am going to follow his plan, and I'm going to heal my hips so I never have to get surgery. I'll keep you guys updated as that continues to move forward, but I want to thank you so much for being here. This show, being here in the NRM studios, is a highlight of my week, and I've been missing it, so thank you guys. The show today, we've been talking about this for about a month, two months, three months, I don't even know, but we've been talking about um, doing this show and the gentleman you are about ready to meet uh they're doing some rad stuff uh, up in northern michigan uh, they're combining punk rock and golf and you might say punk rock and golf like how do you how do you combine punk rock and golf well if you are in the skateboard world and you know the name bill danforth i'm gonna give a little tidbit that some people don't know. Danforth was a high school golf champ. Bill Danforth, arguably the most legendary punk rock skateboarder in the history of the game, was a high school golf champ. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. That, that right there should say punk rock and golf go hand in hand. And prior to doing this, you know, I like to do my research and figure it out. I searched punk rock and golf. And, and it's, it, it's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. And the two gentlemen uh, from Green Man Golf, uh, Justin Harder and Eric uh, Campbell, are, are, are putting it together in such a rad way. I mean, I did some artwork this summer, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But it, it's such a cool idea. And Northern Michigan has some of the most beautiful golf courses on the planet. So I cannot think of a better place to set up shop. So without any more, I want to introduce you, the drop-in audience, to my very good friends, Eric Campbell and Justin Harder. How you doing, fellas? Doing good, good man. Yeah. How are you? Dude, this is so rad that you both are on here because any other time I've done, uh, you know, remote kind of shows, it's always been like uh, one head and a camera here, one head and a camera there. I love it that you guys are both together. That's rad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, always together. <laughs> I got to ask you, um, you know, you guys are up in the uh, pinky area up in around that region. How is the weather? You guys got snow yet? What's it up? What's going on up there? We're still golfing, man. It's uh, <laughs> December, what, 9th or 10th, and we went out last week and uh, froze our butts off, but we're, <laughs> we're still out there. We're still golfing. Still skating, too. 50 degrees up here today, so just took my daughter skating, just barely made it here, so <laughs> I'm stoked. Dude, it's so rad. It's 50 degrees down here. Uh, you know, I'm 20 minutes south of Detroit, so I'm in, in the southeastern portion of Michigan. They're way up in the northwestern side of Michigan, and we are so fortunate right now, dude. It's December. We're moving into Christmas, and you guys are freaking golfing. 
I know. It's wild. I think last year we golfed the day after Christmas. Yeah, I think like, I think I had a memory pop up or something on my phone. It was like December 28th, and we were still golfing, and there was like a little bit of crust on the green yeah. still, but, the, you know, the tee boxes were – we're uncovered and the fairways were uncovered and we, we we'll, we're, we're hardcore, man. We'll golf as long as we can. Exactly. Very, very cool. Well, here on the drop in, you know, it's a storytelling show. I, I, the goal is to inspire somebody around the planet and they hear your story and they're like, man, I, I, I want to be like Justin. I want to be like Eric. I want I, I can do that. And so let's start at the beginning. Um, how was it growing up for you guys? How was, you know, the family dynamics, school, that kind of a thing? Um, I grew up in Northport, which is like at the very tip of the pinky, like a small town. Like I had 24 kids in my graduating class and about 20 of us grew up from daycare until we graduated. So it was actually a pretty cool environment, beautiful area and school was all right. <laughs> and I grew up, yeah, I grew up in Traverse City. I had 1,750 people in my graduating class. So you know, the skateboarders were kind of this little subset of people, but we always had, seemed like we always had the coolest stuff going on and people looked up to us and, you know, we'd go to parties and everybody wanted to hang with the skaters. And so, I mean, it was, it was a different time then. Um, it was a little more clicky, I think then, but uh, yeah. And I grew up with seven, seven kids in my family. I was the last of seven. So when I came up, my parents were just like, you know, it was a free for all kind of, do what you need to do, but stay out of trouble. <laughs> Way different time than yeah. me grow up. Well, and it, it was a totally different time. You yeah. know, down down uh, where I was, um, you know, it was me and, like, the four other dudes who rode skateboards. And, and punk rock wasn't cool. So, you know, you show up with a minor threat shirt on and people are either going to punch you in the face or they have no clue what it is at first. And so it was, it was definitely an interesting time. Skateboarding was a very interesting time. Traverse City actually got their skate park really before most other people. Uh, the park in Traverse City sort of mirrors Midland and I think Indianapolis. But it came mm-hmm. in a little earlier than, than most before Cement Park. So a little ahead of the curve up there. Yeah, I think they bought an off-the-shelf plan and they hired some concrete uh, uh, contractor to come in and, and pour it. And and it, you know, it's not a, it's not my favorite park, but Frankfurt thankfully has an evergreen park, um, which is so much fun. You can flow around there nonstop without without having to push at all. So well, Travers is getting a skate plaza. Yeah, we're like, getting a skate plaza added to the skate park soon. Right on. Which right. Yeah, well-deserved. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And and I want to get back into school a little bit because, yeah. for me, school was a challenge. You know, I had to hustle and, yeah. and, and work hard to get C's. Most most folks in the extreme sports world or who gravitate towards skateboarding are creative types. I was an art dude. I painted. Oh. I drew. I oh. started playing drums at 18. Was school easy for you guys? Difficult? You have to work hard? School was definitely hard for me. I had to definitely work at it but I went to a school where pretty much like athletics was way more important so if you could just barely get a C you know (laughs) that's all they needed out of you but I mean I was a all-state athlete for soccer and basketball four years and had chances to play college but I just always liked skateboarding and snowboarding so that's you know and school was definitely hard for me but (laughs) 
I, I actually had a pretty easy time in school in terms of academics. Um, the social thing was probably a little bit different, but academically, um, yeah, it, school was, I had fun in school. I had a lot of good friends, um, probably about a dozen skateboarders that we ran with at any given time. And uh, I mean, we would, we would, you know, get up in the morning, go to school, and then right after school got out, we would skateboard from, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon till bedtime, just about every day. And, uh, try to squeeze our homework in there in the, in the, in between times. Um, but yeah, school is, school is good. School is good to us. Cool. Very cool. Cause you know, learning is so interesting and I didn't find out till college that I need multiple touch points to really get it. You know, I, I need to be lectured while I'm watching a screen while I'm taking notes. And then I remember, yeah. it, you know, but you yeah, don't need like a visual. Yeah. You don't yeah, learn that all the time I'm... till later in life. No. Definitely. But let's get back to the skateboard thing because uh, it's so important. And and skateboarding has played such a huge role in my life, every facet of it. Uh, For me, a a gentleman came up to visit Michigan from Florida. He was riding a Schmidt Stick Monty Nolder. I remember it. And and I'm like, whoa, I ain't never seen a skateboard that big. Can I roll around on that thing? And then my dad bought me a couple, you know, boards from like Dunham's or Toys R Us. And the guys I was playing hockey with already were ahead of the game. They that dude had Lance Mountain and that was my very first good board. I bought a used Lance Mountain from a dude for like 35 bucks and I thought I was the king of the world. Um how did uh how did skateboarding start for you guys? I I was 12 years old. My mom uh my mom and dad divorced. My mom moved to Florida. I went down there for Christmas and she uh gave me uh, I think it was a Nash. It was a Nash was the first board I had for Christmas. Um, and just right away went out, tried to acid drop curbs and, you know, tried to, you know, just start pushing around, learn how to tick-tock, blah, blah, blah. Got back up here. And then the following spring, I think my first board was a Rob Roscoff 1 with, uh, I think it had OJ2s and uh, Thunder Trucks. And it was a used board, too. It wasn't a brand. I bought it from a guy named Eric Mack, who uh, was a a local sort of neighborhood skate rat kid. And, um, you know, he had seen that I got into it and told me he had a used board for sale. So I I bought that. And then I think I can't even remember the first board after that I bought. I I really don't remember. But I remember the Roscap one with the original graphic with just the one arm out of the bullseye. That's what I started on. Somebody needs to bring that that back. Somebody needs to bring back like a series. Somebody needs to do a series again because Roscop was and and, and Jim Phillips, they were ahead of the game with that whole, you know, the guy coming through the target and you had to get the next board. And and I thought that was very, very unique. Yeah, Yeah, I think I had like, I I did have another Roscop in the series further down the road, but um, I always liked that shape and and I love Jim Phillips stuff. I'm a huge fan of Jim Phillips. Um, still to this day, I mean, his stuff is just him and, uh, VC Johnson from Powell. I just, I love their stuff. The best, the best, both of them. They were probably about seven when I started skating. What? So, yep, about seven. I remember getting my first board. It was at Alien Workshop, Venture Trucks, Spitfire Wheels, and just getting dropped off in our small town and following like the older guys and just, just like hanging out, watching those guys for like a couple of years, then 
took me a while to progress, but maybe the older guy. I just sat back and I watched all those guys skate and just how like the music they listened to, you know, and got caught up in all that. So it was the best thing for me. Oh yeah. It's defined everything in my life. I mean, it's, it's why I'm a graphic designer today. I love the creativity. I love, I, it's why I still listen to punk rock music and still enjoy live music and still enjoy a, a road trip and going to a new skate park. And, and it's, all you need is your headphones and your board. It's really informed everything for me. And see, that moves right into the next thing I want yeah. to talk about is because skateboarding, uh, you know, I was talking with a friend a couple weeks ago and, and I try to imagine what my life would have been like without a skateboard. And I can't. I can't. And hockey was my first love, but I cannot think of what life would have been like. It would have been completely different because the music I listen to, like you were saying, Eric, the music I listen to, my best friends are, are my friends from skateboarding. We still will drive three hours to ride for two hours and then talk about it for three hours on the way home, you know, and, and get just yeah. as excited I mean, I still get as as excited as I did when I was 12. You know, it sounds like very similar for both of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we still, you know, we'll still jump in the car and drive down. Like, we went down to Belding last summer, and we, you know, uh, I think you didn't you go down to Grand Haven this year. I went down to Ludington. So, yeah, we're always trying to hit up parks when we can. Um, I took a road trip with my wife earlier this fall, and, uh, we were headed headed through Louisville, so we stopped to skate that crazy park, and um, so yeah, we're you know it, it, it almost fifty years old and still rolling, and and like you said, trying to avoid the the hip the hip surgery and the knee surgery as yeah, long as we can. I don't know how much longer they can take. <laughs> Well, it's, it, it's, it's been pretty incredible. You know, we've been fortunate in the state of Michigan. Uh, you know, down, down here we have Modern Skate and Surf, which George does a great job, and that's what yeah. we get for the winter. And he's got, you know, a world-class facility that— Yeah, uh, you're so fortunate. Yeah, we would kill to have that up here. <laughs> so lucky. And now, yeah. with the help of the Tony Hawk Foundation and, and many other people around the Midwest, we're getting some of the most amazing cement skate parks. I mean, in, in oh, the yeah. Metro Detroit area, you if you do like an hour radius, an hour drive radius, you might hit five or six parks now, and that's yeah. not the way it was growing up. Now, for you, Eric, um, you know, the, the search was part of the fun when we were growing up, searching it out and Absolutely. finding like-minded individuals, you know? Right. We didn't have Google Maps back then to go zoom in on a backyard pool and <laughs> find out where it was at. And, you know, we, we would drive by something and say, oh, that looks fun to skate and pull over and skate it or, you know, make a mental note of it and come back to it later. But, yeah, the search was absolutely or discovering a new backyard ramp or or figuring, you know, figuring out that a buddy's building one or, you know, chipping in on building a backyard ramp. I mean, it was all like you said, it defined our youth, oh, everything even- we did revolved around even to this day i still see spots and it's like dude you could skate that or like there's always something <laughs> like i see a spot like that'd be fun to skate like no one's touched that yet but it's always in my mind so it's it's implanted 
Well, the only thing I can compare it to, like people who who don't understand, you know, I think a, a, a shop down here, Refuge, came out with a great T-shirt that says, "An addiction they will never understand," and mm, yeah. um, it, it, it's the truth. You know, you look at the, you look at the environment differently. I look at the environment differently, and I haven't oh. skated a handrail in fifteen years, and I'll still see a, a handrail and go, yep. "Well, that's doable." You know, that's totally doable. Yeah. Somebody could do that. Um, it, yeah, you it, totally look at the built environment with a different set of eyes. Definitely. Now, uh, Justin, now you said your first board was an alien workshop. That was an interesting yeah. time to be really coming up because uh, yeah. skateboarding had already been through a few ebbs and flows, and it was on an uptick at that time. Um, well, starting to, yeah, make a comeback. Yeah. Now, was there a ton of people, uh, uh, like in your neighborhood, was there – a lot of people that skated, a few, a couple here and there? Maybe out of the whole town, like, there was maybe 10 of us that really skated. So there was maybe seven real older guys, and the rest were the younger guys coming up. So we would always just follow those guys around, and they would take us under their wing a little bit. But, but I grew, it was just such a small town. Like, we had nothing to skate. So, like, it was always just in the streets. I didn't know what a real skate park was until I was probably – 18 really like it was when i really went to like a real legit park so i think the first legit park i went to was uh winds waves and wheels down in rockford oh yeah and mine was grand rapids like modern park like the indoor one was like the first legit one going down there to do fossil night well, and both of those parks are both those parks are great, and and to talk about this great state of Michigan, we've been fortunate too to have uh, Bill Ferguson down in Kalamazoo. Uh, I mean, oh, he's gosh, been yeah, I skate zoo, yeah. Uh, he's been doing it a I long time and still doing it. Yep. that's still one of my favorite mini ramps on planet Earth. Is that is is Bill's mini down there? It's so much fun. And he hasn't changed it in what thirty years? Oh. It's been the same ramp for thirty years. <laughs> it's so fun! Yeah, it's still fun. I remember, I remember being a kid and you used to be able to go on the website and they had like live feed of the park and we'd be sitting in Norfolk watching just like people skating the park. Like, God, I wish we could get down there and skate that. I spent a lot of hours in my car because, you know, uh, for a very long time, that was the only indoor park in the state of Michigan. So every single Saturday, it was a two and a half hour drive, skate all day till I can't walk anymore, two and a half drive out, hour drive home, listening to the Red Wings on my way. And, and that was the routine for, I mean, a number of years because that's all we had yeah. in the winter. Yeah, Definitely. and they had that bird ramp inside for a while. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. And, uh, yeah, and then I remember he built that whole outdoor section. And, yeah, I still love that. I still love that part. Well, and Ferg is such a great dude. Such a great dude. I've been trying to get him to come on the show. And, and you know what he tells me? He's like, I get too emotional. He says he can't come on the show because he'll, like, start crying or something. And I'm like, dude, just your stories. I mean, it's, it, you've been through it. I, he was riding basically pro for Schmidt stick in, like, 85, 86 when yeah. I was just starting. Yep. And he's still yep. doing it. Still doing I it. I think I started in 84, 84, 85. Yeah, I remember all those guys. Like Bill Toko. I, we used to, I remember going down to that uh, that big that big ramp in, in Ann Arbor. That big blue ramp. Was it blue? The one at uh, know, base. It like, it's right on the uh, yeah, perimeter of the current park. Yeah, thirteen feet tall. It's like two feet of bird, and just being like 
you know, looking over the edge of that thing and my butt hurt because it was so big. It's ironic that they built the new Ann Ann Arbor Park in the shadow of where that ramp used to be. And um, and that that's that's such a a cool thing as far as from a historical perspective for for some of the guys who helped get the current park built to say, you know, we started right up that hill where the ramp was. And again, they were way ahead right. of their, uh, ahead of the curve in Ann Arbor, uh, to have a, yeah, I remember seeing Dave Tuck, Dave Tuck with his big dreads, just shredding that ramp. Dude, Dave Tuck. That's all you need to know. Yeah. After the show for you, for you guys, after the show, look up the name, Dave Tuck, just look up the name. That's after you're all over GreenmanGolf.com, which we're going to get to that in the second part, but look up Dave Tuck, that dude, he, 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 Oh my gosh! Uh, a bar yeah. ramp in Ann Arbor. I saw Dave Tuck, and and I was like 14, 15, terrified. These guys, there's reggae music, pot smoking. I'm I'm like this straight edge <laughs> little kid, and and those guys are just showing me what skateboarding is gonna be in my life in about ten or fifteen years, man. <laughs> Dave Tuck and West Dean, Trevor, all those Ann Arbor guys are are just phenomenal to this day. And and R.I.P. Dave Tuck, but uh, those guys. Still Still influence who I am to this very day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were the OGs, man. Yeah, we're we're lucky to have been around those guys. And you know, each segment, uh, this is segment one. We're gonna do it for about twenty five minutes. We have four minutes to go, and then we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna go into segment two. So don't go away, anybody all over the world. Do not go away because we're just laying the foundation for getting into Green Man Golf. But I gotta ask you guys. This is gonna be a tough question. If you had to pick one, one, one event, one place, one road trip. Uh, what would it be? And I mean by that, where your skateboard took you. Uh, is there one memorable spot, road trip, trick, meeting with somebody, any of that? And Justin, you go first. I would have to say it was with you, Mike Vallely, and Danforth and Marshall when we all did that demo at Dark Horse Brewing. I remember to that. Bail skate, to bail a skate with Mike Vallely, that was I mean, as a kid, that was my idol. So to, to be able to skate with him and do a trick that he's never seen, too, he's like, dude, I've never seen anyone do that. And I was something on the quarter pipe. I can't remember what I did, but I remember Bill coming. He was like, dude, how fucking rad is that to have Vallely tell you that he's never seen that trick done? And I was like, that's all I needed to hear. I'm like, and like I stopped skating after that and just hung out with Bill. <laughs> that was so, a great day. That was that a was great a, day. That was a big moment. So that was like, I'll always remember that. Right on. So I think for me, um, well, I think one of the best trips I've ever taken was with you too, <laughs> with you and Danforth and Bill Searle from Empire of One, and uh, all those guys. And we did those. We did five cities in three days. We did Philadelphia, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and DC, and uh, we published it in this magazine that I used to do, Poke Magazine. I don't know if you remember that, Gary. Oh yeah. But- um, so that was, uh, you know, that was a magazine that I had started here when I was in college and, and just, uh, kept it going for a while and had some of the best experiences ever publishing that magazine. And, and again, I think that, that, that trip was pretty defined. Remember we skated Lansdowne, we skated Chenga World, we skated that backyard pool at that tattoo shop. Little Vinny. We got kicked out of everywhere. We went in DC, um. Yeah, it was just a great trip. You oh, know, we skated Philly FDR. 
<laughs> yep, and I just got goosebumps on my whole body because that trip did that for me too. That trip was awesome. Like that's when we really got to know each other because really Bill and I were the outsiders getting in that van and that first day at Chango was incredible. Like we show up yeah. and we get the whole place to ourselves and they're like, Good "Yeah, place just to Yeah, do your thing." And then we in DC, it's funny cuz I didn't skate much in DC, but we went to the Exorcist steps and got our picture at those steps yeah. from the Exorcist movie. And then That's right. The, the the thing and I might even get teary-eyed in a minute because we got out of the car at FDR Park. Most people were blown out, but I still had some left in the tank. And I get out of the van and I'm like, "Man, I'd love to see John Cardiel here." And we look across the park, and there's John Cardiel, Julian Stranger, and Jake Phelps. And, I, and, and I'll uh, never, I, yeah. never forget that. And I did I a heel flip indie from bowl to bowl. Pardon me? Yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, that, that, and, and, uh, there uh, was Joey so much. Was there, too. Oh, dude. I got a Cardiel Trugie tattoo. I, I mean, he's the man. <laughs> he's yeah. The man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that, man. I forgot about that. Well, I get, we get out of the van, and I'm like, Cardiel is 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 going to kill it. And he slammed, got in the van. Julian slammed, got in the van, and Jake kept skating. But uh, I, I I just wanted to – I was going bananas. Heel flip Indy from bowl to bowl. I was, like, so on another level that day. It was such a rad <laughs> trip. But um, yeah, we're coming down to the end of segment one. I can't thank you guys enough for spending some time with me here on the drop-in. And we're going to take a little break, come back with part two. And we're going to get in to how punk rock, skateboarding, and golf go together. In the meantime, check out GreenManGolf.com. Make sure to follow them on Instagram. And uh, we'll be right back with Mr. Justin Harder and Eric Campbell. Thank you so much. I am Gerald Valley, and this is the drop-in.